I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s She looked like a million bucks. scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, guys, we have a long lost coworker. How many years yes. ago was this? Five? I've been married for five years, so it might have been like six. Okay. So uh, we have, our guest name is Blake. Hi, Blake. Hi. My guest is somebody that I met when I started working as like a private practice therapist. So I worked at a treatment center for a while and I went to this place that had a bunch of therapists that kind of worked together, but also on their own. And that's where we met. And I didn't stay there very long, but you left before I did because you moved. Mm -hmm. And we were just talking about moving because I and currently in the middle of moving, like left my house to come here and, and record this. And Blake has a much different moving history. I'm complaining about moving around the, sh- around the corner. Around the street. I <laughs> moved back and forth across the country. <laughs> so we met in Nashville, which huh. is where I went to. I had moved before that, but we won't talk about before that. We're just going to go after we met. <laughs> We're going to use that as a starting point. Left Nashville, moved to LA, was in LA for a few years. COVID happened, was in Austin, Austin for a year, and now we're in Charleston. And we tell ourselves we are not allowed to move ever again, but for at least five years. Okay, I was going to say, you moved LA, Austin, Charleston, Charleston. all of how many years? Like four. I don't recommend it. And as a therapist, I really don't recommend it with licensing. Oh, I was going to ask you that. Like how, one, it's interesting of like, how do you build a practice And like, you have to get a license in every single state. Yeah. So now I'm duly licensed in South Carolina and I kept my Texas license. So I see folks in both states and it's amazing. I love it. So I have my private practice in Charleston called FIG, Holistic Psychotherapy. And California is the hardest state to get licensed in. I had to go and take more grad school classes, lost all of my hours 
but some reason Texas is the wild, wild west. And they took my Tennessee and my California hours and gave me a full license. What in the world? (laughs) Yeah, it's wild. I didn't really start over in Charleston, but I've started over and somehow it's been okay. People show up. Yeah. Well, that says something about you, I think. Oh, well, thank you. Okay. So (laughs) honestly, now that I'm thinking about this, you're going to have a really unique perspective on this topic because of all the moving that you've done, but I'm going to just give a little bit and then I'm going to let you take it away. But Blake has come up with this product that I think is really cool that she emailed me about. And I want you to tell us what it is, obviously, and then why you created this and what do you hope that it helps people do and accomplish and all of that. And then from there, we're going to keep going. We'll deep dive into it. I've been a therapist literally all over the country. Mm -hmm. I've moved all over the country. And so a common theme throughout all of this has been friendships, how to make new friends, how to leave friendships. And I think we've been taught these really bad myths that friendships are forever best friends never fight. There's not supposed to be any drama in them. And that's just not the case. And I know it took me some time to even accept that I was talking about friendships in my own therapy. I was like, what does this say about me as a friend? But accepting that and even helping clients do some of that very similar work I realized there are not enough resources out there just for friendships. And so I created the friendship deck, which is a conversation game for friends. And it's for friends who really want more depth and intimacy with each other. You know, in therapy, we talk about the relationship that we have so much. Like that is a huge part of the therapy is like, what's the space like between us? Are there things that you need? And that's probably one of my, that's some of my most favorite work to do in therapy. And I realized we don't do that with our friends. We're taught, there's more language to do that, say with romantic partners, of talk about the quality, but as far as talking about the quality, are we okay? Is there anything you need from me? Or is there anything I can pull back on that would be really helpful? Those are not conversations that we're having with our friends very often. And yet when I started having those conversations with my friends, my friendships changed so much. And so I wanted to create something that was fun of like, obviously you get to ask their fun questions. Like everyone goes around and answers. How did you learn about the birds and the bees? Cause that just tells you so much about your family and how you grew up. And I also wanted to talk about and invite friends to talk about like when they felt left out and when they feel like they don't belong within the group. So it's 62 questions. It's three levels of increasing vulnerability, just cause we don't want to go straight to trauma bonding. That was a big <laughs> important thing. <laughs> Yes, it feels important. And yeah, it's just this really fun, beautiful, simple way to like gather your friends and have these great conversations and walk away being like, I would probably never think to ask my friend that, but I'm so glad. And I feel like I know them more, they know me better. And we just have like a, there can just be a lot more ease within the friendship. One thing that you just said, I had like this initial feeling. So I don't know if you feel this, but as as a therapist, it's so easy for me to get in a room and tease out and talk about and get into the woods of other people's stuff. As a therapist, you have to have a certain level of vulnerability, but also it's not about us. So we don't have to do our stuff. And so I can do that all day long. And I have these like conversations all day long that are, that are so I'm hearing people's 
deepest stuff. And then when it comes to my relationships, when you said like, and then there's questions like, well, when do you ever, when's the last time you you felt left out in the group? At first I was like, oh, that's a good question. And then I was like, I don't want to answer that. <laughs> that's something of like, yeah, I, it's, it's also yeah. a muscle that like, I have to be able to work in different areas. And so I appreciate the, like one, the levels of these cards. I think that that's very important because and something that I see happening in romantic and in friendships is we like dive in head first. Cause we want to have these crazy, awesome, deep connections with people. And then I'm no, like, oh, you're not there yet. <laughs> yeah. Slow it down. Yeah. Slow it down. Yeah. So I, I appreciate the levels, but I also appreciate like, to me, it's a game, but it's also a challenge and yes. one that I might not choose to go forth and do if I don't have a little push like that. Yes. Yes. It's a nice, gentle push. Okay. So I want us, cause you mentioned a couple of them to kind of just like talk about some of the myths or the stories or whatever it is that we're taught about what friendship is and what friendship's supposed to be. And I want us just to talk about like both of our perspectives on that. Does that sound cool? I love this. Yes. Okay. Let's deep dive. Okay. So I'm going to go off of the ones that you originally had said. And then if we like come up with more, we can add them, but let's see if we can even get through these. All right. So now I want us to talk about some of the truths that we've been taught about friendships. Some of them that you mentioned already, some that you'd sent me earlier. And I want us to talk about like why it might be helpful to think about unlearning some of those, because they might be myths that we actually were taught as like universal truths for everybody. And then if we come up with more, we can come up with more, but I want to stick at least with these five. So the first one, I really like this one and it's the more friends, the merrier. So tell me what you think about that as a human, as a therapist, tell me what you think. My gosh, I hear so much from people. We'll start just in the therapy world when they name, and this is dispelling this not so universal truth when they're like, I was friends with everyone, which basically meant I was friends with no one. And yet there's these beliefs that are like, I need to have all the friends. I think that social media, I mean, blah, blah, blah. Like, I think social media just kind of brings in this sense of like more, better, richer, all of that. When in actuality, this guy Dunbar, I don't know his first name. um, He did a lot of this research. So if you've heard kind of that, like little tidbit of you can really only know about 150 people or their names. And after that, the circle gets too big. He went even further in to a concentric circle. And he said, you can only have deep, meaningful relationships with about four or five people. Like when you think of your psyche, when you think of your nervous system, when you think of being connected to someone else and being in that like securely attached place, you can only do that with about four or five other people. Like that's our tolerance threshold. And so what I hear so often is, you know, especially with college people or just all over, they're trying to fit in all of these friendships all over the place. And yet they're talking about how lonely they are. Like, I don't feel like anybody really knows me. And it's like, well, it's hard to know you if you're running around all the time, if you're going from place to place, if you're seeing 15 friends a week, like no one actually has time to like sit down with you and really get to know you well. I think this is probably really 
helpful for a lot of people to hear because I think a lot of times it is like the the more friends you have, that means like the more liked you are. And there's, if I can't be friends with everybody, then that means that these people don't like me or whatever that is. And that's so far from the truth. Mm. And then there's this, I know I have felt in my life, I'm not very good at remembering people's names in general. <gasps> me neither. And so when I, um, I taught at this cycling, a couple of different cycling studios, but it was always so hard for me to remember people's names. Like it was so hard. I couldn't do it. I would look at the class. I would follow them back on Instagram. And I just like, it's too many people. And then everybody looks the same. And then I don't know what's going on there. It's like, I can't know all of this. And so that was something that I had to finally just say, like, this isn't my skill. I can be really kind to somebody and and make them feel welcome and all of that. But I can't know everybody's name, let alone friends with all of these people. And the other thing is what you were saying around that is when I'm trying to be friends with, let's even just say it's 20 people. There's no way in my brain that there can be a deep quality of, of friendship because I can only see a couple people a week. If that, if that. Yeah. It's like one, two, maximum three times, at least for me. And we do different a kind of work where it's like, we're emotionally drained. So sometimes weeks, I don't have that much capacity. So yeah, it's like, I got one or two friend hangs a week like you. Yeah. And I think it's also important in that to like really look at, can I have different kinds of friendships? Like even thinking about like the friendship deck of like, can I have friends that I would only ask these like first questions with the first phase? Like that's okay. And I can have a lot of those friends and they must feel like acquaintances, but you can still call them friend, but not every friend that we have Cause to me, it almost in my past felt like I, I owed every friendship. I, I started all of this energy and time and space. And it has to be because I'm a connecty person. It has to be this thing that, and it doesn't, it can just be like, oh, we can see each other when we see each other. If we're at the same restaurant, we can say hi. If we run each other at an event, we can say hi, but I'm not going to like plan an extra vacation with this group of people. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, 
or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. think about too I totally had a similar experience where I also felt like every single friend I needed to go to the depths with they needed to know all the things about me and we had to be talking like all about our feelings all the time for it to be a real friendship and I was like that's not sustainable at all and so even I got my hair done last night and The woman doing my hair never asked me a thing about my work, doesn't even know I'm a therapist. And we just talked about food and travel the whole time. Granted, I don't consider her my friend, but I was like, this is so refreshing. Or even I have a new friend where it's, we don't necessarily go that deep with, but we can just laugh and play and be silly. And we need the full spectrum of friends. Oh, totally. And yeah, like sometimes I just want to talk about like pop culture. I don't want to talk about my feelings. Like I really don't, I can't do that. So I think that is so important. I I want to really drive home this because I think again, to me, the biggest thing is like, well, if I only have four or five friends, that means I don't have friends. I hear that all the time. Like, yeah, that's not true. it's like, well, yes, you do. I'd rather have four really awesome friends than be spread thin, trying to like show up for everybody. And it doesn't make you a mean person when you're not wow. like, there's people that I think in everybody's life that you're going to meet people that like reach out to you and want to be your friend and want to connect with you and want to, and you might not have space and that's not mean. It's kind to tell them the truth. Like, I don't, yeah, we're saying the same thing of like, you're going to be let down with by me if we, if I do let this friendship in, because it's not going to be a priority. So I'd rather be transparent and be like, ah, I can't do this. Or like, I don't think I have the time to invest because that gets them on their journey of finding their people who are available that much quicker. Right. And then you have that, like, dynamic where there's, there might be one person that's like reaching out to you for everything and is always inviting you places. It isn't always like, you know, so much about their life, but like you don't share with them. And then it sets up this weird dynamic for them to be like, this is one-sided and you don't, it's like, well, I don't have time. And so maybe you should just, I think, set the boundary earlier of like, I don't even have time to take in this information. Yeah. So yeah. Really important. Number one, we're going to move to the second one. Yes. Friendships should always feel easy breezy. I actually thought it was funny. I was thinking about, you know how we wore those BFF 
necklaces growing up. I actually think it's kind of telling because it usually was a broken heart. <laughs> that's pretty, that's like a dark humor friends, of mine. Because we're going to eventually, yeah, yeah. We're going to fight. I just, I think it has to do with the patriarchy, with this belief that women are the feelers, are subservient, are always giving, are always generous, are gentle and sweet and kind. And we are those things, but we're also so incredibly dynamic and strong and powerful and friendships are not easy, especially when you get, I've noticed like really powerful people together have opinions. I think, especially as I'm noticing millennials are really healing collectively from this kind of codependent wound of like, oh, I don't care. Like whatever you want, like, no, whatever you want. And just kind of like, I'm not going to have any edges and I'm just going to merge with whatever you're doing. We're really coming out of that. And so we're having opinions and that means we're going to have different opinions. And sometimes it can get a little, there can be friction. And I've always said like, that's not like, that probably means you're doing friendship right. Because it means you're bringing, you're actually bringing yourself into the relationship. Yeah. And I, I think that for me, if it's the same in a romantic relationship as a friendship, if there's never any conflict in your romantic relationship, people will be like, I never fight with my partner. And it's like, well, why? Ooh. Let's talk about why you aren't fighting. Like, yeah. how are you always agreeing on everything? How, how are you both always just doing everything perfectly for the other? Like conflict doesn't mean, and when I even say fighting doesn't mean you're screaming at the top of your lungs at each other. It doesn't mean you're giving each other the silent treatment. It doesn't mean that you're just being mean to each other. Conflict is just that it's just having a conversation where you guys don't hundred percent agree on something where you're sharing information that might help the other person know you better. Like, I think it's the same in friendships is it's impossible unless we're people pleasing to never bump up in a difference of opinion. And yeah. it's impossible for that never to like give you or elicit some kind of feeling inside of you that isn't like happy, happy joy. It makes me think a lot about why I think talking about friendships openly and the friendship dynamics is so helpful because friendships are not easy breezy. So I'm thinking about different life changes and life stages. Like when our friends move away, I've moved away quite a lot when they get married, when they have babies, my mentor in LA told me this story and I can't stop thinking about it. She said, I remember when my best friend, she was like my ride or die, we would be the people who it was like Friday or like Thursday night. And we're like, let's go somewhere this weekend. And they like buy tickets at the last second, like just that incredible, like I'm up for an adventure friend. And she said, my friend sat me down when she got engaged and I was like so excited and all of this. And she said, Hey, I also want to let you know, like our relationship's going to change some. Like, it's going to be different. And I think, yes, I'm so excited and I'm so thankful. You're so excited, but we need to talk about this. It's going to be different. And my mentor is like, that just really set us up for so much success. And she was like, she did it when she had a baby too. And it just made it so much easier to talk about the fact that friendships do change. A lot of times it's easy to be like, I'm going to move away. Nothing will change. No, it will change. And actually, if we talk about how it's going to change, it makes the relationship and the friendship so much easier and less, like it just keeps you out of a lot of resentment and bitterness, honestly. Well, and just like 
this like weird mystery too. I think when yes. we're not talking about that, both parties are still thinking about things. And so we're in I this. So do they notice the difference? I notice the difference. Are they upset about the difference? I'm upset about the difference. It like takes that out because I mean, I I'm dating somebody, but we've only been dating for six months, but for me, at least dating somebody in your, my thirties is very different than dating somebody or it was how I dated somebody in my twenties. Yeah. And it, it has brought up a lot of like a lot of joy, gratitude, all the things. And like a lot of like, Oh, like I can't be the person at eight o'clock at night when my friends say, Hey, who wants to meet at so-and-so and get pizza and play cards? I might be with him and I can't just be like, I got to go buy Bye. Yeah, I can't do that anymore. And I've had to say, oh, I'm I'm busy. And I never had to if I'd said that before, it was because I just didn't want to leave my house. It's not a um huge, huge conflict in, in a sense, but it is a big deal too. At the same time, there's still that like, oh, it's a change. And it's it's important that like even the like saying friendship shouldn't always feel easy breezy. That it's not easy breezy for me that I like feel this like sadness and this riff somewhat in my friendships, but it doesn't mean that like my friendships are bad and like I'm doing something wrong or they're doing something wrong at all. It means they're changing. Yeah. Yeah. It's so okay. Like these feel, I think that's just the biggest thing is like messy feelings in friendship. That doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It probably means you're doing it right and paying attention. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. 
the war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I wonder, like, there's so many perspectives you can take on this, but for you, when it comes to, like, people, like millennials, let's just talk about millennials, what do you think is one of the driving factors that tells us if there's big feelings involved that aren't joy and gladness and all that and love something is wrong. Like where did that come from? Yeah. I wonder if a lot of it came from our parents and this idea that I don't think it's this way anymore, but I definitely know feelings were not okay. Like things needed to be okay. needed to be on the up and up. You needed to look pretty. You don't talk about hard things. For me, I see that because when you hear that, just basically you just hear that, it almost feels like, ooh, that's bad. But the perspective that I see that coming from is we didn't talk about feelings in my house like ever. Yeah. But it was because my parents always just wanted me to be happy. Like because not because they're bad, but they just like wanted the best for me. So when that was the pinnacle. Yeah. So when like something went wrong, it's like, okay, we're going to move past this because we're going to get you back to the place to feeling like yourself. Like there wasn't space to sit in the suck of anything. There wasn't space to sit in the, the disagreements or the discomfort. It was like, let's resolve this right away and move forward. And I think that's because as a parent, I'm not a parent, but I imagine it very, very difficult to sit and watch your child have a hard time. And so it's easier to just push through and ignore than anything else. And what I've seen that do as we move forward in our lives is we don't create like the threshold to hold ourselves in that space with any other relationship either. We haven't had the practice. So my encouragement to people who are like, Oh, I don't want friendships that have conflict, or I don't want to do that hard thing is we're building muscles. Like every time you have a conversation, even if it's like, Hey, when you showed up late, to dinner, I felt like a loser. And if you're late next time, like, just like, let me know. Cause I didn't, I don't want to sit at that table by myself. Again, I would have waited in the yeah. park. Simple, simple, simple. You're, every time you do that, you're like working on that muscle, just like we wouldn't walk into a gym and run 10 miles on a treadmill. Like we'd start ah, with no. maybe one. And it's the same thing. It's like, you have to build that up, which also yeah. I appreciate with your, the friendship deck. It's like, you're building up the muscles to be able to answer those hard questions. I talk a lot. It reminds me of just, it, you're talking about the idea of frustration tolerance. And so what a lot of us do is I think normalizing, we're going to feel frustrated regardless of what we do. There's a frustration that keeps us stuck. And there's a frustration tolerance that we can build that actually leads to something better. You are frustrating yourself when you don't say anything and your friend shows up and she was, you know, 20 minutes late and you felt like a loser and you're like, Oh my gosh, not a problem. Like what's up. And you stuff it down and you get on with it. You are also frustrating yourself when you work up the courage to say like, Hey, I felt like a loser. Like, just let me know. Like, I'm not mad, but just let me know. And that frustration actually leads to something 
And then when the things get really intense or say your friend, you know, said something that like, oh, that totally hit like a deep tender spot that they might not know about. You now have the tolerance to, to let them know about that. But yeah, start with the small stuff. Like, Hey, maybe don't like, I like to eat all my fries. Like, it's just a weird thing. I don't share food. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like so many people are like, Oh my gosh. Yes. I have a couple of people. I need to do that too. Yeah. Start small. It'll be weird. It'll be awkward. That's okay. That means you're doing it right. Yeah. And also you're offering such a gift on the other side, because if we've never been confronted as friends with anything, it's like you saying that might feel like, Oh my God, I feel like the worst person ever. I'm so sorry. Like, blah, blah, blah. And like, we also need to learn, Hey, people can give me feedback and I can say, Oh, I had no idea. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. There's great research that Brene Brown said that one of the key indicators for successful relationships is actually having self-worth because if you have self-worth, you have the wherewithal to have these conversations and trust that you will not collapse into, Oh my God, I'm a worse friend. Cause it's like, Oh, I'm human. I'm going to mess up. Oh, I love that. I freaking love Mm -hmm. Brene Brown. Okay. Let's move to number three. We have, well, this kind of goes into what we just said. Good friends don't fight. So fight. Yeah. I don't think we really need to say anything else about that. We answered both. And okay. This one BFFs are for forever. (laughs) We will dispel that, that sadly, I think statistics say friendships on average last about seven years. Oh yeah. Certainly people are all over. I shared this on TikTok once and people went off. They're like, I have 20 year friendships. And I'm like, that is amazing. Like we need those kinds of friends that can span decades and not every friend will go the distance with us. I mean, have you found this like that you have some friends that you are so close with and it's not there anymore? Yeah. And I am so, first of all, TikTok is an unsafe place. (laughs) I had one video once go viral and I was like, accidentally, I wasn't trying to use TikTok. And I was like, I'll never want to be TikTok famous ever in my life because people scary. no boundaries when it comes to, and everything has to apply to them. So it's like, I have friends that I've had for 20 years. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Maybe this doesn't apply to that friend. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, anyway, I had to say it. But so <laughs> I have had so many Uh, seasons of friends. And I think that this is very normal. Like I'm not somebody who has like a friend from when I was in second grade. Like I, I don't, I have some acquaintances from when I was in middle school and I have some friends that are from middle school, but they're not my best friends still just because they're my longest friends. Yeah. But if I look back at my life in different stages, when I was in high school, living in Franklin, Tennessee, when I was in college living in Mississippi, when I was in grad school in Nashville, when I started working at a treatment center an hour away, when I then moved, like moved into private practice where I am now, I have these deep, deep friendships that are like your go-to people. They cannot still be my people. Like my friends from college. I have one friend from college that lives in Tennessee. One. So those other people that were my best friends in college, it doesn't make sense. They got married right after college. They all moved and they, most of them have kids. It doesn't make sense for me to still push and push and push and push for those to be my very best friends. Now, do I still talk to them? Yes. 
Are they yes. still important to me? Yes. I just went on a trip with some of them to the lake. And oh, so fun. It was awesome. We hadn't seen each other and we, we had seen each other like maybe nine months earlier at a wedding. But before that, it was like years went by. We had so much to catch up on. It's those friendships that like, you don't have to talk to them every day to feel comfortable with them when you see them. I think that's important to acknowledge that I don't have to fight tooth and nail to maintain those friendships. They just get to be. And then even the friends that like, I live in the same area that I grew up in. So there's this push and this pull and this, you should stay friends with your friends from high school because you can, and they're around. And it's like, that was what, at least 15 years ago. I am not the same person I was in high school. Yeah, you have permission yeah. to not be friends with yeah. the people you were friends with in high school. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it's okay. Okay. And I think that this like seven year thing is really interesting because it kind of explains like we're evolving. And yeah, I don't think we always evolve the same as the people we're with based on like what our goals on are in life, what our interests are, like. I'm going to start leaning towards friends and people in my life that might not be who I was friends with seven years ago because of that. So I think this is very important because I think when you call somebody your best friend, it's like almost like we've branded that. And what if we had best friends for seasons of our lives? Like, what if that was just like a very, okay. I feel like one of the biggest friendship transitions I went through is when I was really involved in my faith and spirituality. And that was very, very important to me. And I did a lot of, I just started asking questions and did a lot of deconstruction work. And I work with a lot of folks who have experienced spiritual abuse. That was one of the hardest transitions of here are these people that have loved me, that really have loved me so well. But there's now this like, kind of huge difference between us. And there was a lot of hurt there too. Cause it was like, wait, the friendship, a lot of it was based on us believing the same thing. And when you stop believing the same thing, it gets unsafe on both parties, like for both ends. And I had to do a lot of work and just grieving around like the friendships were not bad, but for me to grow, for me to continue evolving It's not going to be kind to myself, to my nervous system, to all of that, to keep trying to make these things work. No. Some difference. Yeah. I think that's really important and a really important example to give because I think because those people aren't bad people, there's this pool and there's this like almost like this guilt and grief built into that. I'm like, I'm letting go of, I'm letting go of this belief system that isn't serving me. It sounds like. But that comes with the grief of one, that past belief system, and also the things that are attached to that, that are causing me pain because they keep me in that same circle. And I don't, I don't need to be in that circle anymore. And so that's where like forcing ourselves to maintain the same friends, whether you don't want to be a bad person or because they were your friend during this hard time. So you should, you owe any of that. You have to think about like, you have to be a friend of yourself too. And what does being a friend of myself look like right now? It looks like setting some boundaries that are really hard and I'm going to need help yeah. setting them, but I have to do it. And so I think that's mm-hmm. important to say that like transitions like that, you're allowed to, to make space. It doesn't just have to be like, I moved across the country or I had yeah. a baby. It's like, no, these transitions, like I might need space for different kind of people to pour into my life at this point. And those people serve me so well. And so I'm so well. 
and I need something different now. Yep. Which goes back to the first one. You don't have to keep all your friends all the time. No. We're evolving. All right. So this moves us into our last one and I'm going to combine two thoughts and it is that friendship endings aren't helpful and friendship endings aren't hurtful, which kind of, they like go against each other, but I think both can be true. We can use some of that space there that both of these can can hold both. Yeah. We can, the most (laughs) therapisty, therapisty thing to say, we can hold both of these things. So let's talk about that. Like, let's start with why friendship endings, because it kind of goes with what we were just saying, aren't helpful. And let's say like why they are helpful would be basically what we're just talking about. Yeah. I think they're helpful because they let you grow and evolve. They let you become a different person so much of, I mean, we're both therapists and I wish that there was almost more disclaimers when people come to therapy, because there's all this good, great, positive change that comes when we go to therapy, but also it is so common for friendships that once felt seamless. You start doing some boundary work, some people pleasing work, finding yourself, finding your voice and realizing like, Ooh, that's not actually okay. How that friend treats me, or I don't like that. I get walked over mm-hmm. and suddenly this friendship that used to be so easy. Cause you just followed everything that your friend told you. It's not easy anymore. And it feels like opposite ends of a magnet. That's helpful to walk away from that friendship because then you get to have space for new friends that can hold you and you can hold them with a lot more fullness and space. That's good. We want that. So good. And uh, something I love to remind people in therapy and in my life and myself is just because somebody has a reaction that is not great to what you have done, what you have said, just because somebody doesn't like it, it doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. And it goes back to like us not being able to like sit and like wrestle with feelings. And it feels like if somebody's mad at me, that means I owe them an apology. And I don't think that's true. I think a lot of times people get mad at you because you're not living in line with the boundaries that they need you to have for them to get what they need. And that's not a a you problem. That's okay. Now they need to reevaluate their stuff. Yeah, it can actually become a you problem. I would say there are parts of it. There are two people in this. There's the friend that's like wanting you to change back. Your work in that sense is going back to what we were talking about, frustration tolerance. Your work of frustration is to sit on your hands and do nothing. Yeah. And to not make it better. Oh, so hard. So hard. So freaking hard. Okay, now let's then switch gears and talk about why friendship ending can be hard. So hurtful. I mean, I feel like that's the theme of what we're talking about at large is we so idealize romantic relationships and even we have rituals for them when they end. Say you tell your friend, a girlfriend, like we broke up, there's a sense of like, oh my gosh, I'm coming over. Like we're going to watch like dumb movies and eat and eat like whatever. There's rituals and there's space for that. When you talk about friendship endings, it is so messy. There's not a lot of language for it. It's awkward to talk about because what if your friends in a larger group context? And so it becomes, how do you talk about, oh, I'm still going to be with a group, but me and this person aren't aren't really friends anymore. I think I just want to normalize again, like we've been doing friendship endings hurt so much. Do you see that? Well, I think what I see more so is 
in romantic relationships, they're either supposed to last forever or there's going to be an ending. So it's really kind of like normal when, when there's a breakup of a romantic Mm -hmm. relationship, it's like, okay, this makes sense. It sucks. And like, we're going to grieve that we're going to do all the things, but this is part of, of dating, but friendship breakups aren't talked about as part of making friends. And so it's this thing that like, if it happens again, it's wrong, which it's not. So we're not going to do anything about it. And that means maybe you did something wrong because you couldn't make the friendship work. You're a Um, bad friend. Yeah. Instead of let me come over. This is really hard. Let's get some ice cream and talk about our feelings or I'll just sit there and you can cry in my lap. Like there's not that because of all of, I think the belief systems around friends. So this is a really good one to end with because I've had some friendship endings that were really hurtful. Some that I, in my past, we didn't talk about it. It was just like, a big blow up, whatever. But in my later years, when these friendships have ended, there was a lot in particular, I'm thinking of one, there was a lot of conversation around it because it was a loss of a lot of things. It was the loss of a connection between multiple people. Cause it was somebody who's infiltrated in multiple friend groups. You're talking about like, maybe you're still friends in a larger group, but you're not friends with this person. There's so much pain in that. There's mm-hmm. so much pain because we are human beings and we are bound to make mistakes in yeah. making people comfortable. And when you're in a large group of friends, there's a lot of, I mean, where this would be different. Cause I feel like there's like this loyalty when, with dating relationships, almost with friends, it's like, well, I'm still friends with this person. Yeah. And it feels like, Oh, but it hurts me that you were hanging out with this person who hurt me. And I have to work on Jealousy. that. Like, yes. There's so much in that. And I'm just expected to just be fine with it. And only it's like, you're grieving just like a dating relationship. You're grieving like the future unity loss. Yeah. Grieving their friends. You're grieving a lot in that friendship as well. But again, to your point, there's no language about it and nobody is talking about that. So it's something that we don't even know what to do with. So we just don't do anything. Yeah which makes it hard. I think there are ways that you can have integrity in the friendship endings. Like I think there's, it's important. Like whenever I've gone through it, I try and kind of have like one or two people, one or two good friends that know like the full story and that I can process with and aren't so directly involved in the friend group. Cause I don't want to put them in a weird position. And then I just kind of create like a really simple, if someone's like, Oh, have you seen such and such lately? Like, a really simple, like, no, you know, I haven't, I hope they're doing well. Cause honestly, I do hope they're doing well. And it's not going to be helpful to be like, we're actually not friends anymore. If you could not ask me about that. <laughs> totally. So much. I think that like, what I'm really grateful for in this conversation is it opened up a door for a lot of things. And there's so much that can come off of this. So I yes. want anybody who's listening, if you have questions about something that we talked about or just friendship in general, send them to me, Catherine at unitherapypodcast.com. And I can answer some of them on couch talks. And if there's a couple, we can always have you back and talk about this. Come back. Yeah. Because (laughs) I was saying like friendship before we started recording, like friendship can be a series. Like that could be a whole series we do. We all are dealing with friendship. It's not something that any of us aren't touching at all. So we can write that and we can all kind of like learn and get better at that too. So totally. if you have questions, send them. Where can they find you? Where can they buy the friendship deck? 
you can buy it at www.thefriendshipdeck.com. And then you can find me on social media. It's just my name, Blake Blankenbeckler. Good luck spelling it, but we'll put, put it in, in some, put in some, yeah, put in some letters and you'll find me eventually. <laughs> what was your last name before you got married? Was it simple? Oh, very simple. It was Snyder. That's how I, that's a funny fact. That's how I knew when I met my husband, you know, how girls do like, what's my last name going to be if I take his last name and I put it together and I was like, my name would be Blake Blankenbeckler. And I was like, there's no way. I was like, this is my future husband. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. Like, this is too perfect. It's too perfect. I mean, the universe is just too, I'm like, this is, this, this will be my new reality. I kind of love it now. It's very funny and quirky. I love that. All right. Well, thank you so much. I wish that we could keep going, but you know, time. Thank you for having me. Thanks for everyone listening. So grateful. Can people buy the friendship deck now? Is it? They can buy it on August 19th. So next Friday. I don't know when this is coming out, but if it's after August 19th. Oh, great. On August 19th. Yeah, it's perfect. Available to purchase. Yeah, set your alarms. Okay, well, thank you. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s She looked like a million bucks Scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes Nearly 10 million dollars was all gone It's just unbelievable Hide your money in your old rich men Because <laughs> she is on the prowl Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts.